Lord's name. Let's read all of Isaiah chapter 55, starting in verse 1. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not. And nations that do not know you will hasten to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for He has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call on Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake His way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and He will have mercy on him and to our God, for He will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth, and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire. And achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the pine tree. Instead of briars the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown. For an everlasting sign which will not be destroyed. And once again to say it. In King James, which, believe it or not, makes it more simple. This will be for the Lord's name. Everybody say the Lord's name. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not about you. Look at your other neighbor and say, it's really not about you. Say, it's about Jesus. Say, the Lord's name is Jesus. You see, the Bible teaches us in Isaiah 55 that God has a purpose on this earth, and it is for His own name. Now, if you've studied the Old Testament, you know technically that the Lord is Yohevaheh, Y-H-W-H. We translate that Yahweh. And Jesus said, I came in that name. But the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 that every knee should bow and every tongue confess that what? Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So even more important as people talk about Jehovah and Yahweh, we have Jehovah Witnesses, is the name of Jesus because He is the name that the Father always glorifies. Are you listening to me? So who is it all about today, my friends? Who is it all about? Is it about Obama? Is it, is it about, you know, Bill Gates, the richest man in the world? Is it about your boss, my boss? Is it about your friends, your family? Come on, somebody. Is it about your kids? Let me ask you a question then. Are you living your life for his name? Or are you living it for Obama, Bill Gates, your boss, your family, your children? 
You see, because if it's really all about Jesus, then everything you do in life should be about Jesus. So your job is really not for whatever company you work for, whether it be Pepper, the city of Chicago, whether it be for a high school or a school where you teach at. Really, it's not about that. Really, it's about Jesus. If you don't believe me, the Bible says, do all you do as unto the Lord. So the teacher who's teaching, teach as unto God. The one who's a mechanic, be a mechanic unto God. The one that's building homes, be a builder unto God. The one that's working in business, a student, wherever you are in life, be that person unto God. Because everything is about His name. Now what would you think out of the Ten Commandments would probably be one of the worst commandments to ever break? Of course they're all equal, they're all wrong. It's wrong to lie, it's wrong to steal, it's wrong to commit adultery. But how about when we talk about blasphemy? Doesn't blasphemy just have a just a scary connotation to it? Imagine if somebody was to point their finger at you and say, you blasphemer. Wouldn't that just be the one of the harshest things to be called? A blasphemer? But what is a blasphemer? Someone who does what? Takes the name of the Lord in vain. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean just when you accidentally hit your thumb with the hammer and you say GD, a curse word with God's name in it, is that just taking His name in vain? Is it just when you say Jesus Christ as a reaction to something? Oh, and then you say His name? Is that really just being in vain? No, no, no. Think about what vanity really is. Being in vain with His name is not giving the respect and honor that he deserves. That's why every time God wants you to say his name, he wants you to say it with respect. He wants you to say it with honor. That's why it's a sin for you to say his name as a swear word. That's why it's wrong for you to say his name as a reaction to something bad happening. Are you listening? But how about this? How about you calling yourself a Christian by his name and not living like one? How about that, taking His name in vain, people? Come on, somebody. How about saying, I live for God, I go to church on Sunday, but on Monday, you're coming to to work late, you're lying to your boss about your assignments, and you're backbiting your neighbor. How many know that's taking His name in vain? Because everything goes back to Jesus. Why am I a pastor? Because it pleases Jesus. Why am I married to Nancy? Because that pleases Jesus. Why do we reproduce and have children? Because that pleases God. Why are you working the job you're working? It better be to please Jesus. Why are you married? Why are you going to school? Why are you pursuing a career? Why are you at this church? Why are you going to have a barbecue today or tomorrow? Why do you do what you do? It better be all for His name. Because if you claim to be a Christian and you make it all about you and money and cars and family, and those things may sound great sometimes, but if you don't make it about God, you're taking His name in vain. Somebody say, teach me how to glorify His name. Come on, say it. Preach it, preacher. Amen. Let's go to verse 1 in that chapter. Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. 
Why spend your money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? You know what God is saying? He is saying, if you want to glorify me, get satisfied on me, get hungry for more of me, drink my presence, eat my word like bread, and let me satisfy your soul. You know a person who glorifies God? Is a person who says, I'm satisfied with God. I've given this example a hundred times, and I'll give it a hundred more. Sometime today or tomorrow at a barbecue, you're going to eat so much that if somebody was to bring to you your favorite food, it will disgust you. I'm going to eat so much of my mom's lasagna and shrimp scampi, it's just going to be crazy. It's going to be coming out my ears. And if somebody right at that moment, well, I'm just, oh, Lord. If somebody came up to me and said... Here's a brand new pizza right out the oven from wherever Giordano's. You know what I would say? I would say, man, it's going to make me puke. Hello? But if I was starving and you gave that to me, I would eat it. And not only that, if you just gave me something probably nasty, probably like, you know, just like spinach and something nasty, whatever. I can't think of nasty beans, whatever, spinach and beans and Brussels sprouts. And if I hadn't eaten something for a long time, I would eat that, right? Now put it in spiritual context. When people are so full off their sin, off their pornography, off their wickedness, somebody comes around with a good thing from God and says, here, God wants to bless you with this. And they say, no, I don't want that. You know why people don't want to get up on Sunday morning to church? Because they're already stuffed and full of the devil's stuff they got Saturday night. Come on, somebody. Why don't they want to get up here in the church and get hungry for God and say, I want more, I want more, I want more, because they got full off the world. But the Bible says you glorify His name when you come and buy the things from God that cost you nothing but your heart and your love for Him. And you can eat and eat and drink and be satisfied. And when you're high on Jesus, there ain't no high like the Most High. Come on. Give Him a try, somebody. When you get satisfied off God and you kind of sit at the table let out a little belch God is so good oh Lord I can't take any more prayer I'm about ready to pass out oh I can't even read the Bible I've read 20 chapters today oh it's so good I gotta work some of this off go witnessing I gotta go preaching gotta work some of this off so I can come back and get some more come on somebody if you live for God's name you're always satisfied with him point number one if you live For God's name, you're always satisfied with Him. When people say to me, well, I tried prayer. I tried reading my Bible. Oh, I tried church. And it wasn't good enough for them. I know there's a problem with them. It's not a problem with God. It's a problem with them. Their heart is wrong. Their heart's not right. They're not receiving. Because I can guarantee you God always satisfies If you really come to Him hungry, if you really bring your hurts and your pains to Him, if you really bring your questions, your doubts, your fears, He will satisfy the longing in your soul. He will bring you at peace. He may not bring Aunt Mima from the dead, and He may not tell you how a brown cow can eat green grass and produce white milk. He may not tell you every jot and tittle of your life in the universe, but He'll satisfy you on the inside. He'll give you a peace that passes your understanding. He'll give you a fullness of joy. He'll give you strength when you're weak. Come on, somebody. He'll be there for you and say, this is all you need. Amen. we got to get satisfied with God. Don't get full off the junk of this world and say, I can't take any Jesus today. Well, I can't come to morning prayer because I'm just so full of what I did this week. You talk to people. Why don't you come to 915 prayer? 
Oh, because I'm just so tired after that long old week. You're so full. You should come here saying, I'm so hungry for God. I'll come to 6 a.m. prayer, 9 a.m. prayer. I'll be the last one to leave the building today. I'm so hungry for God. Hallelujah. Say amen. The Bible then says in verse 3, Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live, and I will make a covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. Do you know how God makes a covenant with you? It's through His Son, Jesus Christ. When Jesus was at the Last Supper, He took the bread, He took the wine, He said, this represents my body, the bread which will be broken for you, my blood, the wine which will be poured out for you, and this is the new covenant I make with you. It's based on His blood, my friends. The Bible is saying right here that God the Father will keep His Word and make a covenant with you. Because of what Jesus did. And you say, well, it's promised to David. You know what that meant? God said to David, through your line, I'll bring the Messiah. And the fulfillment of the covenant of David is through Jesus Christ, the eternal king, priest, and prophet of the nation of Israel and all the nations of the world. He fulfilled the Davidic covenant. And for you and I today, the second thing we have to remember to honor Jesus' name is to be in covenant with Him. Put that down on your notes. Be in covenant with Jesus. We have a great example of what a covenant is. David and Monica's wedding. We want to give it up for them today. Come on, bless them. God bless you guys. Wonderful wedding yesterday. Said your vows right here exchanged rings. What was that? Everybody say a covenant. It was a covenant. It was David saying to Monica, I'll do this for you. I'll be there at these times in better or worse sickness and in health. It's Monica saying, I'll do these things back to you. And I'll be here in those times. And then they did an exchanging of the ring going on the strongest finger, representing the strongest part of your hand, which is the hand of covenant. Always throughout history, hands have been involved in covenant, and your finger being the longest, uh, this fourth finger being the longest and strongest, representing the strongest part of the covenant-making hand, the gem, the jewel, the, uh, the, the precious elements representing love and devotion that can't be broken, the circle representing eternal love and commitment. Are you with me? When they exchange those rings, they're saying, I'm in covenant with you today. Do us part. After Jesus died, was buried, and rose again on the third day before he ascended to heaven, he said, I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you, and I will be back. Hallelujah. He said, I go to prepare a place for you and I'm going to bring you over the threshold because I'm married to you and we will forever be together. I want to ask you a question. Are you in a covenant with Jesus today? Do you look back at Him and say, You died for me. You gave your life for me. You poured out your blood for me. I'll live for you, Jesus. I'll follow your commands. I'll honor you with my life. Or is it just one-sided? My name's Jimmy and I'll take all you can give me. Sometimes we're on the streets and we're witnessing and you can just see somebody just get an attitude out there. Well, what's God done for me? 
Because before I serve the Lord, I got a whole lot of stuff God's got to do. He's got to take care of my bills. He's got to get me out of debt. He's got to get, uh, you know, Cousin Flacco off drugs. He's got to save my husband. And until God does all of that, I'm not coming to church. All Jesus had to do was die on the cross, raise again from the dead, and that is it, my friends. When he said it's finished, it's finished. If that's not good enough for you, my friends, the devil has lied to you. If you just had half a brain to think about the God of eternity sending his son to live a sinless life, to die in your place, and then he supernaturally raised from the dead, and he went to heaven to prepare a place, sent the word of God through his apostles. If that doesn't bring you into covenant with him, my friends, nothing will. This is not come make a deal with God. Well, God, I'll serve you for a million five. Okay, I'll take you for seven fifty. No, this is not making a deal with God. The covenant's been stretched out through the cross. And he bids all men to come, get in relationship with me. Follow me. He said, if you love me, keep my commands. And he bids us all to come. And the ones who don't come, he says, he punishes an eternal hellfire, not because his hand wasn't reached out, because they never reached back. He said, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. He says, he stands at the door and knocks at your heart for you to answer. Everybody say, be in covenant with Jesus. Because when you're in covenant with Jesus, as the prophet Isaiah is teaching us here, you honor his name. When somebody says, how do you... uh, how do you celebrate the holidays, you know, or what do you do over Memorial Day? Well, I, I spend time with my family, and, you know, I go out and do some ministry, and I pray with my kids, and I catch up on some family time. And they say, well, why do you do that? I do it because I love God, because we honor the Lord in my house. You know what that's saying to those people? I'm in covenant with God. God said, I don't take a day off from him. I don't kick back a 40-ounce or a couple brewskis this weekend just because I don't have to work. You understand, I'm still in covenant with him. Young people, kids walk up to you, hey, let's sneak out, let's spend a night, let's lie to our parents, let's go this and there. And you say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'll be home on time. I'll obey my parents. Why are you such a nerd? Why, why are you so lame? Because I'm in covenant with God. And I'm not lame. I'm a soldier for Jesus Christ and I'm on fire. And I will inherit this earth in Jesus' name. I'm more than a conqueror. And when you're tore up from the floor up, I'll be getting a college education, speaking in tongues, and living the good life. Amen? Come on. Be in covenant with Jesus. Somebody say, I'm in covenant with Him. Amen. Now look at verse 4. See, I have made him a witness to the people, a leader and a commander of the people. That's who Jesus is. He's a leader. He's a commander. And if you're with him, you become a leader and a commander. Verse 5. Surely you will summon nations you know not. And nations that you do not know will hasten to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. For he has endued you with splendor. Somebody say, winsome nations. I mean, come on, somebody. If I never taught you in one lesson, one offering about giving to nations, you understand that God's going to hold you accountable to that. Number three, you want to give God glory to his name? You want to make name Jesus' name big? Start helping nations hear about Jesus. 
I have heard a hundred times on the street, well, what about the poor Africans in the jungle who've never heard the name of Jesus? What happens to them when they die? And listen to me. I say it with compassion. I say it out of love. It's not easy. It, it, it hurts my heart to say this, but it is true. If no one has heard the gospel, they cannot repent. And if they're not repentant and born again, they cannot enter to heaven. Period. So what happens to them? Sadly but true, they go to eternal hellfire. You say, is that fair? Yes, it is fair. You know why? Because you go back to Genesis. There was a flood. Noah, his wife, his three boys, and their three wives got off of an ark. Eight people. And God said, I'll make a covenant with you and I'll be with you the rest of your life. And do you know what happened? Those men turned their back on God. The Tower of Babel came, which eventually developed Babylon. The people separated into the different nations. And where you see people now today, tribal people not knowing God, listen to me, my friends. That's not God's fault. That's their ancestors' fault. And God warned them, if you turn from me, it will be a curse to your children and your children's generation. But there's some good news here. The Bible says there's some disciples that Jesus Christ will raise up to go to those nations, to give those people the opportunity to hear the gospel that their great, great, great grandpa and grandma rejected. And I want to ask somebody a question today. Is there anybody here that wants to summon nations for the glory of Jesus' name? Is there anybody that wants to get out there for the glory of His name so that Jesus can be made big in India, so that Jesus can be made big in Mexico, Chilapa and all of the villages, Central and South America? Is there anybody here that says, God, send me, I'll go, send my resources because it's not about me. It's not about my new car and my mortgage payment. It's about the glory of your name and you want the nations to call on you. Woo! The only reason why the world today does not know about Jesus is because we, the church, are not living for the glory of His name. If right now, just in America alone, there's 20 million baptized in the Holy Ghost, tongue-talking on fire Christians in this nation alone, if 20 million people all went out and made 12 disciples, we could change the billions right now that don't know the Lord. Just take 20 million times 12 and you'll get a number that's close to 6 billion. There's about 4 billion that are still lost right now. Are you listening to me? It's not hard, my friends. Jesus said it right here, or the Word of God rather, but Jesus speaking through the prophet Isaiah, He says, you will summon nations you know not. There are people, groups, and nations, and people we don't even know, but God knows. Did you know about Indians living in Orissa? You've never even heard of that. You never even knew of that tribe of people. You don't even know the language they speak. But when Pastor Amit heard about Metro Praise, this is our pastor in India, he joined with us. Now we have 16 churches out there in India. Pastor Amit gets a call from Orissa, which is much further from where he is. He goes on a 30-hour journey to that village of Orissa where they don't even speak his Indian dialect. He has to speak himself through a translator. You know what happens when he went there? He went there and he won souls and we have churches being established there. He says when we go back, we can probably have 50 in that area alone. 
You might say, Pastor, I'll never be able to go to Orissa. Send your resources. Send your prayers. You might say, here's a good question, Pastor. How do I pray for them if I don't know them? Because it says you're so many nations you don't know. You know how you do that? You just say, God, give me nations that I know not of, and I'll give you all the resources in my life for your glory. And if Nepal calls you up, and if we get an opportunity to go to these nations we've never heard, like Uzbekistan and all of these nations, you'll be able to say, my missions, dollars, resources are going. My prayers are being answered. We're reaching people I know not of. Oh, come on, somebody. Say for His name. God wants nations to be reached for His name. That's number three. He wants a nation and nations saved. Now go to verse 6 for number 4. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call on Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake His way and the evil man his thoughts. Turn to the Lord and He will have mercy on him and to our God for He will freely pardon. Here's another way to give glory to God's name. Don't be wicked. And if you are wicked, turn from your wicked ways right now. Just like the word came through Ish, that God is giving mercy. Mercy is coming through God's throne. Get mercy, because one day you'll receive judgment if you don't. Trust me, you want mercy over judgment. Amen? Somebody say, number four is turn wicked people from their wicked ways. Say it like you're up this morning. Say, number four, turn wicked people from their wicked ways. Hallelujah. Keep moving on. Look at the next verse. Verse 8, going on to number 5. Here's ways to glorify God. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Somebody go, duh. But how many know we don't think that way, do we? Have you ever tried to have a little conference with God? And at first it kind of starts off like, God, why are you doing what you're doing? You ever had one of those talks? And then all of a sudden it kind of turns into, God, you know, I think we could do it better this way. And God, why aren't we doing this? You know, maybe you're single right now and you're saying, God, you know, if I would have been married two years ago, I could have a family and I could be doing all this. You know, God, why aren't we doing that? You ever try to have like a little mental debate, even though we don't call that with God? God, why do these things happen in my life? God, why is this happening? God, why did you do this? Why did that person do that to me? You've ever had thoughts about God that maybe you think are not really uh, your thoughts or maybe better than his thoughts? You ever had that? Come on, be honest with yourself. You don't need to raise your hand, but we all have. If you want to raise your hand, you can. I know I have my hand still up, praise the Lord. You know what God says? He says, let me give you a no-brainer right here. You're down here. And I'm up here, and I'm a lot bigger than you, and I've been around for a while, and you and I, we're not thinking the same. Look what he says. He says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts above your thoughts. Somebody say number five, to trust God. Oh, come on, people, if you want to honor God with your life, if you want Jesus' name to be great in your life, start to trust Him. The first sign of trouble, don't freak out. God, God, where are you, God? Where are you, God? Come on, God, I need you, God. No, come on, just say, God, you got it in control. I trust you, God. I trust that you understand that my relatives in the hospital 
And if this person dies, everything in my life's going to fall apart. I know you see that picture, but you also see a bigger picture. Lord, help me to stop thinking down here and to put my mind up here and start thinking the way you do. The Bible says, set your mind on heavenly things. Set your mind on Christ. Another scripture says, who is in heaven? You know, there's some times that you and I, we get so, uh, you know, focused on the little things that we see and we don't put together the big picture. I remember being single and waiting for a wife. And how many know those that are married are single? That's like the greatest thing in the whole world besides Jesus. Amen? Everybody knows that, especially when it's good. Somebody say when it's good. And so I'm single, man. And I'm the bachelor to the rapture, baby. And I'm not only single for a season, I'm single for a reason. And the reason is because I don't know how to act right. And so... Eight years I'm single. Nobody loves me. All by myself. Having pity patty parties. The devil put a little hat on me. Blows a little thing. Nobody loves you, Joe. I know nobody loves me. It's just you and me now, Joe. Okay, I know. It's just me and the devil. I'll never make it out of this lonely time of my life. And then all of a sudden, God brings me to Chicago. And then I see this bonita senorita, Nancy, at that time, man, Ceres. But guess what? At that time, for some reason, my thoughts were way out there in cuckoo land. I thought that I had to marry a pastor's daughter if I was going to be a good pastor. Honest to goodness, this is the truth. And so when my dad first met Nancy, he hugged her. He said when he went home, he told my mom, that's Joe's wife. We weren't even dating. Just one hug, God told my dad. Her mother, now my mother-in-law, when I first came, she said, cook for that man, take care of him, because that is a son to you. I didn't know any of this. Nancy did. She got it in her heart that I was for her. And she liked me, but she was going to be good. She wasn't going to pursue me. She was going to wait for God to speak to me. But listen to me, man. It took a long while to God for God to get through this thick old skull. Because I'm, I'm saying to the Lord, Lord, where's my wife? I'm so lonely. I'm so lonely. He's like, take a look at Nancy. No, she's not a pastor's daughter. God, come on, where's my wife? And then finally, I say, I got the Holy Ghost slap upside the head. Oh, Nancy, let's go out. You see, when it was my thoughts, it's a true story, though it's sad for me, I know. I missed it completely. And then she'll never let me forget, but it's her birthday today. Happy birthday, Boopsaboo, earning some points. Pink roses on her table today. And chocolate. Going to take Mama shopping. But here's the thing. When my thoughts in my peon, uh, you know, cantaloupe-sized brain with my little visual understanding, when I finally let go of that and saw the big picture, I saw what God had been doing the whole time. She had come down and been a part of Mardi Gras four years prior. I had known her. I had then come to work at the church that she was at. She then became the assistant in the church that I was at. And everybody from my mother-in-law to my father and to my spiritual father, Brother Anthony, all knew that was my wife. Somebody say, trust God. You see, you may be going through a situation right now where you're just scrambling and you're trying to put it all together. I just want to say, take a step back, trust God, because His thoughts are bigger than yours, and He's got it covered. And He 
as the old timers always used to say, he may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. Come on, somebody. He may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. Somebody say, trust God. Look at verse 10. As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it blood, bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower bread for the eater so is my word that goes from my mouth it will not return to me empty but will accomplish what i desire and achieve the purpose for which i sent it so what are you trusting in the word of god what did god say to you he will do it god said you're going to be married have a family he will do it trust him until he brings you that person God said he'll bring you through this economic crisis. You trust him. You be faithful. He'll bring you through. Keep tithing. Keep giving. God says he's going to take care of your family. Children may act in wild. Be acting crazy. Keep praying. Keep seeking God. God will deliver. He will do it. As the Bible says, rain comes down and it has to water the earth. Snow comes down, melts, has to water the earth. So does the word of God. Go to the earth. Go to this earth and does not return void. It waters the heart. It changes the environment. God's word can change your life. Amen? And here is the last thing. What can you do to trust God? Number six, you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Are you all ready for that? That's heaven, people. The Bible says one day the trees of the field will clap their hands. Now, this to me is symbolic. If you've ever been in the woods and you've heard the wind blow, you can hear the trees wrestling against each other. The Bible says in heaven it's going to be so glorious that that wrestling will get so loud, but it will be so glorious because it's all for God. The wind, the trees, the mountains themselves will be glorifying God. Oh, come on, get happy. It's okay to get happy in church. Amen? Instead of the thorn bush, we'll grow the pine tree. That's a great thing to have, a pine tree instead of a thorn bush. Pine gives you lots of different resources. Instead of the briars, the myrtle will grow. A myrtle is better than briars. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign, which will not be destroyed. So what's the last thing? Get ready for God to blow your mind. You know what God's going to do? He's going to do things you and I couldn't even imagine. I couldn't imagine the fields of the, you know, the trees clapping their hands, the mountains, us, you know, laying down with the lion, the lion laying down with the lamb. But the Bible says one day we shall inherit this earth. God will bring judgment through Armageddon. He will then cleanse the earth of wickedness and with resurrected bodies. The Bible says as Jesus resurrected from the dead, we will be changed and will be forever on this earth. This prophet Isaiah is telling the people of his day, Jesus is going to come and deliver you. Jesus is going to make a covenant with you. Jesus is going to use your life to impact nations. All you have to do is trust in His Word, and He'll do more for you than you could ever imagine, and it will be full of joy and full of peace. And this promise He makes you, as it says at the end, will be a sign to all the world of how good God is, and it will not be destroyed. This will come to pass. If you believe it, can you say amen would you stand to your feet with me in the house of god on a beautiful sunday afternoon come on are you excited to make a difference for jesus today are you excited to live for his name going through those things quickly number one if you want to live for jesus glorify his name be satisfied in who he is 
Number two, get in covenant with Jesus Christ. Man, please come. Number three, get a heart for the nations. Number four, seek the Lord. Call out on His name. Wicked people, turn from your wicked ways. Number five, trust in God. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And number six, get ready for God to come back and bring peace and joy upon this earth. It's a promise. You don't know who Isaiah is? Isaiah came about a thousand years before Jesus was even born. One of the most popular scriptures we read at Christmas time. To us a child is given. To us a child is born. He shall be called Emmanuel, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. You've heard that scripture around Christmas time? Written by Isaiah a thousand years before Jesus was ever born. That's called prophecy. And they were told to trust in these promises. How much more should you and I trust in what God gave Isaiah 2,000 years after Jesus?